Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Podcasts are testament to the power of audio and spoken storytelling. And Native podcasters are tapping into that power to educate and inform others about their cultures and to express their own individual passions. Coming up this hour, we'll sample the work of a handful of Native podcasters and hear about how they turn their ideas and words into content that's shared with local and international audiences alike. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Cherokee Nation is calling on Congress to honor a commitment made by the U.S. government in the 1800s to see a non-voting delegate from the Cherokee Nation in the U.S. House of Representatives. Cherokee Nation citizen Kim Teehee has been chosen as the delegate. Rhonda Lovaldo recently spoke with her about a national campaign started by the Oklahoma tribe to get her seated. Kim Teehee, Cherokee Nation citizen, has served as senior policy advisor for Native American Affairs during the Obama administration, and she feels that not only would she represent her nation, but all nations across Indian country. Cherokee Nation is the direct recipient of, of you know, being my one constituent, the government Cherokee Nation, right? But I'm mindful of the fact that Indian country has too few advocates uh, as it is. You know, we have four Native Americans now, one Native Hawaiian, one Alaska Native, and that's six total, right? And so, uh, you know, given my background and my experiences, having served as a Hill staffer for so many years, I do think I bring that expertise uh, to the table. When talking about if and when she'll be appointed, Tihi feels it will be done this year. And if not, the Cherokee Nation will cross that bridge when the time comes. She pointed out all the Native women leaders that are making history now and feels the time is right. The stars are aligned to get this done. I don't think it's a, it's avoidable. You know, if it doesn't happen this year, we'll keep fighting, but I think the stars are aligned to get it done. I just think we've broken the glass ceiling too many times of having the first Native cabinet official, having the first U.S. Treasurer be Native, having the first astronaut, you know, living in a space station be Native, you know, and having the most Native Americans at a single time serving in the Congress. It's pretty remarkable. Tihi says the United States should honor their words and treaties, especially the long overdue commitment to see a Cherokee Nation delegate in the U.S. House of Representatives. This is Rhonda Lovaldo for National Native News. Organizers behind an effort to assist indigenous voters at the polls in last week's election in North Dakota say there were some issues people encountered when casting their ballot. Mike Moen has more. The Native American Rights Fund, or NARF, worked with groups such as North Dakota Native Vote to station trained poll watchers at various sites. NARF staff attorney Michael Carter says there were situations, for example, where a voter had issues tied to the state's ID law. There were, in fact, some Native voters being turned away improperly, and the, the matter was able to be corrected. The voters were able to come back and vote and have their votes counted. North Dakota Native Vote says it saw only one instance of a voter not returning to complete the process. Carter says ahead of the election, they met with the Secretary of State to make sure all parties were on the same page in handling these matters. He says it's vital for the state to detail these instances in reports between elections as part of a consent decree that stemmed from challenges to the ID law. 
This election was the first since the state's latest redistricting process in which two new state house subdistricts were created in tribal areas. In districts 4A and 9A, two native candidates won their races. North Dakota native votes Nicole Donaghy says these are strong examples of why tribal communities need more seats at the table when these voting maps are drawn. We cannot elect our own people unless there's a focused effort to create a district that is majority Native American. However, one of those newly created sub-districts is being challenged in court by the Turtle Mountain Band of Chippewa, with leaders saying the lines still dilute the voting power of tribal members. Two incumbent state lawmakers with tribal roots, including Fargo-based Representative Ruth Buffalo, lost their re-election bids. That was Mike Moen, and I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Program support by Penguin Random House, publisher of She Persisted, Wilma Mankiller, by Tracy Sorrell, a children's book about the first woman principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. More on this and other stories at prh.com slash stories of the land. The Indian Arts and Crafts Board promotes Indian artists of federally recognized tribes through its online source directory. Information on this no-charge opportunity available at doi.gov IACB, who support this program. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There are countless podcasts to choose from, but there are precious few by Native producers covering Native subjects. The Native people who do get behind the mic enrich us with topics ranging from true crime and current events to culture and comedy. Some are just for fun. Some are tackling serious subjects. Today we'll talk with some Native podcasters about what they do and the conversations they've had along the way. Have you ever thought about creating a podcast? Is there a Native podcast that you'd like to share on our airwaves today? You can voice your comments and questions with us today by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 900-99-NATIVE. You can also post on our social media. Our Twitter handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's talk with some podcasters now. Paige Willett is speaking with us from Shawnee, Oklahoma. She is the host and producer of the Haunikan podcast. She is a citizen Potawatomi Nation tribal member. Paige, welcome to Native America Calling. for the opportunity to come on the show, Sean. Absolutely, Paige. And my first question is, please, how does the word Haunikan translate into English? And why did you choose that as the title of your podcast? Oh, well, Haunikan means hello, friend. Um, and actually, uh, the name of our tribal newspaper is Hanukkah, and it has been named that since the 1970s when it was first started. So the podcast is sort of a companion to our newspaper. Now, you are employed by the tribe, and uh, you work at the newspaper as well, so it all kind of fits into, into your job description. It absolutely does. Yes. The podcast has sort of a news magazine outline. So um, 
it's a lot of fun to get to cover several stories in one episode. We also kind of do some one-offs, though, and dive a little bit deeper into some subjects. Now, does the podcast, Honeycon, does it specifically deal with citizen, uh, uh, citizen Potawatomi Nation tribal issues exclusively? It does, yes. Anything and everything about the tribe. Um, that will range from, you know, interviews at our beautiful Eagle Aviary to um, I have interviewed a master bootmaker in his shop, watching him uh, and how he works the leather and all of his amazing sewing machines that he has from, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s, because he says they're the best to work with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had a chance to listen to one of the episodes, and I noticed a wide range of topics and issues. And, and how did the idea for the podcast come about? Was it, was it your vision to do this, or was it a, a larger vision with, with some of your coworkers? Well, um, our, uh, my, my former boss, who is no longer with us here, who was the director of, of the department, public information department here at CPN, um, she, you know, she just wanted to try to reach as many demographics and absolutely as many tribal members as possible. And um, podcasting has just had such an explosion in the last 10 years. Um, and it was a place um, that we could reach tribal members that we were not previously. So just a whole new way uh, to create content. And, and you're absolutely right that the industry has just absolutely uh, blown up and there's so many podcasts out there. So tell us, uh, your listeners, uh, what's been the feedback so far? Do they like what they hear? You know, it's so heartwarming to have someone that I am meeting in person say, I listen to the podcast and I love it. It gives me you know, another way to interact that I don't, ha that I don't have, um, that I hadn't had before. And Citizen Potawatomi tribal members um, are so spread out. We are in all 50 states and international as well um, because of our history um, and forced removal. And so it is absolutely amazing to be able to reach someone who cannot be here, uh, you know, on our land, who can't be here in Oklahoma, um, but it provides them a way to connect with their heritage and history and culture, and not to mention just give them news about what's going on with their tribe. Paige, do you work uh, on the podcast by yourself, or do you have a team that helps you produce each episode? Um, you know, I am the producer and the host for the show, so I do the editing. Um, but, you know, we have uh, other members here who do interviews, and, and I work with them sometimes on on getting another one of their pieces, their interviews in the podcast as well. Um, and that is so much fun. That's so great. I love when we have other interviewing styles in, um, or I love everyone else being able to hear other voices on the podcast, you know, besides just mine. I, I, I like being able to show everyone different sides of everything. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to bring those other perspectives in for sure. And, and and when exactly did the podcast start and how many episodes are there currently? Oh, uh, we are at number 50, actually. So we're in season four. Season five will start in January. So we have been around since 2018 now. Wow. So going on five years now. And, and about how long is each one of the episodes? 
Uh, we usually range from 20 to 30 minutes. If something is just really good, you know, we'll go longer. Um, but that's the great thing about podcasting in this medium is that you can kind of be a bit flexible with it. And if something needs a few more minutes, then it needs a few more minutes. 20 to 30 minutes, that's a good length too. So somebody, you know, like with a short commute or something like that, they can they can download uh, an episode, they can listen to it. Uh, it's not a huge time commitment. And then, Paige, any interest in growing the podcast beyond uh, Citizen Potawatomi issues and topics? You know, our newspaper really focuses on CTN issues. So our podcast focuses on CTN issues as well. We always have so much going on at the tribe. We are so diverse as far as our government, our enterprise, our services, our tribal members. Um, so there's always something to talk about. Uh, while working for the tribe, I have been here for five years now, and I am just always constantly, you know, it, it's incredible how much diversity we have and how many tribal members we have doing different things and how we're always growing. Paige, I know you, you talk about sports, you talk about culture, you talk about uh, current events. What's, what's your favorite topic, though, I want to know, that, that you talk about on the podcast? Oh, my gosh. Well, I am such a good, uh, such a sucker for a good feature story. Um, I think that's just in other news that I read as well. And I also just love getting to know tribal members a bit more personally. Everybody's Everybody has a story, you know, and um, their stories are always so interesting. So I like getting to know them a little bit better. Um, I like getting to be, you know, a resource for them, too. I work here at the tribe, so I like giving people direction on where they can, where they can go to find out a little, more, a little bit more information, either about the history or, you know, if they're looking for a service to be able to point them in the right direction as well. Um, obviously, history pieces are very satisfying um, because some people just don't have those resources here next to our cultural heritage center either. So those are those are great to offer up. I totally agree with your comment. Everybody has a story to tell. That is so so true. But uh, some people are just a little bit better at telling their stories than others. And that's where you come in. That's where your expertise comes in to help them tell those stories and, and, and get those stories uh, onto your podcast in a, in a really nice, finished, uh, produced, warm. And um, you know, one thing, just I, I just want to relate because you know, as a, a host of this show, and, and I want to get your your feedback because sometimes it's just tough to get people to to open up, you know, and just really talk from the heart and things like that. And, and, and do you ever have challenges with that, or or what's the what tips do you have to get people to just really be real? And, and just talk from the heart on, on, on your podcast. You know, I just spend a little time with them. Um, and really, I just try to make everyone feel as comfortable as possible, really. Um, I'm only five feet tall. I'm very approachable. So <laughs> no one is really ever intimidated by me, um, which I kind of <laughs> use to my advantage. But sometimes it's, it is a little bit more difficult to get people to um, sit in front of a mic. Uh, but I always tell them, you know, we're just going to have a conversation. Um, like we are two people hanging out, you know, um, mm -hmm. that usually makes them feel a bit better. Um, sometimes it just, yeah, it takes a little bit longer. And if it takes a little bit longer, then I'm definitely willing to spend that time with them. Like I said, I love, I love hearing their stories. So, um, just getting them to, to open up, uh, is, 
is amazing. It's, it's still something I love doing every single day. It's part of my job. Well, Paige, what are what are your your long term goals for the podcast? Uh, like like currently, the number of downloads. Are, are you satisfied? Or is is the tribe happy with those types of numbers? Are are you looking to grow the show to even larger audiences? What's the thought? Well, you know, there are some people who still don't know that the podcast is around. So we're always trying to grow our audiences, and we're growing every year. So we've seen we've seen good steady growth, which I, I think is good for a show like this. Um, sometimes the things kind of explode and, you know, they kind of fade away too. Um, so right now we're just, we, we're having consistent growth this past year. We actually moved to two episodes a month instead of one episode a month. So we've seen some really, really good results from that and uh, people just being willing to, to download one more and just listen one more time. So it's, it's been pretty great this year. Well, it sounds like it, and uh, I want to congratulate you uh, on this very successful podcast there that serves the Citizen Potawatomi Nation there in Oklahoma. The name of the pod- podcast, excuse me, is HowneyCon Podcast, and it translates as Hello Friend, and this is Paige Willett speaking with us from Shawnee, Oklahoma. So folks, today we are celebrating the world of native podcasting, and we have several several Native podcasters on our show today from different parts of Native America, and they're all going to share information about their podcasts, what inspired them to start their podcast, what types of topics they cover, what goes into producing a podcast. So if you've ever thought about creating a podcast, or maybe you already have a podcast and you want to share what you're doing on the air, give us a call right now, 1-800-996-2848. Those phone lines are open. Our producers are standing by. So once again, that number 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call. Despite years of intense public pressure, some sports teams remain resolute to keep offensive mascots and images. On the other hand, some teams work with Native tribes and individual designers to create appropriate visual images that truly honor Native Americans. We'll hear about some prominent examples on the next Native America Calling. Healthcare.gov. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with a few Native podcasters about putting their passion for Native issues on the record. What do you like about podcasts? What don't you like about podcasts? Are you a native podcaster yourself? Tell us about it by calling 1-800-996-2848. That number again, 1-800-996-2848. Joining us next from Tucson, Arizona is Marley Lister. He is a PhD student at the University of Arizona and is the host of the Wushi podcast. He is Dene. Marley, welcome back to Native America Calling. You've been on the show before. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, and 
Whoosh Day, uh, the podcast. It focuses on issues you feel are important to Diné people. How long have you been producing the podcast now? You know, that's a good question. I want to say five years, um, but I'll just stick with five years for now. Yeah. <laughs> five years works. It's about the same time that our, our earlier guest page has been producing her podcast as well. So um, you, you, you feature a, a wide range of topics, uh, a lot of political stuff as well, historical things. And I had a chance to, to listen to one of the episodes and you interviewed Chili Yazi, who's uh, been around uh, Indian country and especially the Navajo Nation for many, many years. And uh, it was a historical incident there up in the Four Corners area back in the 70s that I, I remember well. It was just a, a really, really interesting uh, episode. And, and where do you get your ideas, Marley? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, the podcast, I oscillate between Native-specific issues and very specific issues of the Navajo Nation. And a lot of my ideas are just kind of what I learned from reading. So particularly with the Chiliazi interview, which I thought was great. Shout out to Chili for giving me that opportunity uh, to interview him. Uh, it actually came because I was living in Shiprock and I was learning about the history. I was looking at old, old, at old, old uh, archival photos and, you know, my partners from that area. And we were spending a lot of time there. And, um, you know, I just wanted to learn about the history of Shiprock, but also more of the radical history that generally doesn't get talked about when referring to um, indigenous people, uh, especially in the academia. And so, you know, just looking at the old buildings, hearing these stories, and then knowing that some of the people who had participated were still in the community. And by then I had, you know, figured out an interview protocol, um, you know, how to address people. And so thankfully, uh, Chiliazi was really interested. And so that's kind of one way that I derived some ideas for these podcast episodes is it's very place-based you know, where I'm at. Uh, in some cases, it's just I'm reading something. And if I notice that there's an opportunity to interview somebody about that subject, or moment or event, um, I see if I can, you know, find them or track them down, or at least find someone familiar with that particular uh, investigation. And what goes into to tracking those guests down? Marley, do you, do you reach out on social media? Or do you just cold call people? How does that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, for the most part, if it's someone like for Chile, I happen to know someone who knew him. And again, he's pretty, uh, he's in the community. Uh, but in other cases where I kind of have to go out of my way, I generally look at whatever I'm reading, find the author, email them, you know, see if they would be interested in uh, talking about the subject or if they know anybody who was there to give a firsthand account as to what happened. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of just how it is. Usually I prefer, you know, firsthand accounts. Or somebody who's very knowledgeable. Some of my, uh, I think, favorite interviews were with people who were there. Like, you know, I talked to Mercedes Peters, who's a PhD historian, uh, Mi'kmaq, and you know, we had a great conversation about fishing rights in Canada, uh, the uh, the whole struggle for fishing rights recently. And um, even another example is with a, a fellow PhD student, Freddie Griffa, who spoke about Indigenous mobilization in Ecuador. You know, they were part of it. Um, they had people they could talk to, and they themselves were involved with that. And, you know, all of these little moments in history, I try to use as a, a moment to discuss larger abstract movements of history. Um, but also, again, try to ground it in something that isn't just rereading something from an article. Marley, you started your podcast about five years ago. Uh, how many episodes do you have now? 
<laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I kind of stopped counting. I want to say it's like less than 40. Okay. Uh, I, I realized halfway through that there's really no point for me to start counting. Um, I think it's just more at this point, just like, hey, I want to interview this person. Let's just pump it out and see what happens. Okay. So reflecting back when you started the podcast about five years ago, um, I, I mean, how has it changed? Uh, how have you changed? What have you learned uh, from producing the podcast? And, and how has the approach changed in terms of just uh, creating this resource, really, is what it is for the Diné people? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, you know, originally I started off as a researcher who was encouraged by, you know, a, another podcaster, Andrew Curley of the Diné situation. And um, yeah, I was just just going out interviewing people. I bought like a $38 Walmart interview. Uh, I'm sorry, a $38 recorder. And if you listen to the first episode, you know, the quality is really bad. So I think for sure one thing I had to learn was improving the quality of the audio, <laughs> you know, really <laughs> investing some, some money into that. That's kind of where my capital is going at this moment. Uh, you know, just getting a nice recorder, a nice setup, um, you know, thinking about uh, creative ways of interviews. And so, you know, that's kind of the more uh, technical stuff. Now, as it, when it comes to podcasting in general, you know, I've become more interested in historical aspects, uh, you know, thinking about events and seeing if I can really find people who are part of it and if they're feeling comfortable to talk about it. And part of that, which allows people to get in front of uh, a recorder or maybe even join a Zoom recording uh, is to kind of set up a protocol, you know, they be very transparent about what you want from the interview um, and let them know like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do with the recording. You know, I won't release it until you approve. I will give you the opportunity to edit, take some things, edit uh, some things in, you know, and that gives a, uh, a relationship between you and the person. And I think that for me was something that has become more important, you know, like establishing that relationship not just the like, you know, initial contact, but also through protocols and being consistent with that with everyone. Uh, generally, I even do that with friends. You know, there are occasional podcasts where I'm actually just talking to friends. But even then, I'm still like, hey, you know, we're cool with each other. I'm still going to let you listen to it unless you know for sure you're cool with it. Um, but you can listen to it beforehand. If there's anything you want to take out or add in, I'm all for it. And that's a little bit more labor on my time. But for me, there's a sense of trust that gets established, but also at the same time, it's reciprocal in the sense that these people that join me on this podcast are giving their time and effort to be on there. You know, they don't have to deal with, you know, a PhD student <laughs> trying to interview them at a coffee shop. <laughs> they could be doing some other things. And right. so that's something, you know, is very important. Uh, now, as for topics wise, I've definitely become very uh, uh, interested in just like native issues and um, native issues and Navajo issues. You know, and trying to like think through these moments and times that I find very interesting that are also not necessarily discussed. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the gist of what I'm thinking about right now. And I try to be contemporary, but I save that for my other podcast with a friend of mine. Um, but yeah, this is more kind of just like interviews and like just discussing about moments, times, or even concepts. We're speaking with Marley Lister, and uh, he's a PhD student at the University of Arizona, and he has a podcast. And let's hear from one of our callers now who also has a podcast. Daniel is listening on KIYE, uh, Nez Perce. 
Daniel, hello. Hello, hello. Tatslahinoikolo, Inamoniktuas. Daniel, good morning, everybody. Good day. My name is Daniel. I'm from here on the Nest First Reservation. How's it going? Hey, we're doing great, Daniel. Tell us about your podcast. Yeah, so my friend and I met in college while we were in at school at the University of Idaho. We uh, met over 11 years ago, and this, this year we decided to start a podcast. So we have the Brown Sound Podcast, which is um, available on Apple and Spotify. But we just, you know, our saying is two brown best amigos talking about anything and everything <laughs> from a Latino and indigenous perspective. Two brown best amigos. Well, Daniel, thank you for calling and uh, sharing that information with us. Let's take another call now. We have Mudman, and Mudman is listening in Santa Fe, New Mexico on KUNM. Mudman, thanks for calling Native America Calling. Okay, it's good to hear you. Good to hear you as well, Mudman. Yes, and the, and the name is actually done because I was teaching in the schools, teaching the Cobb Natural Building Process, and the kids nicknamed me Mr. Mudman, and it's an endearment because the kids became fully alive when they get their feet in Mother Earth. It's really well, amazing and, and magical. Absolutely, absolutely, sir. And uh, I understand... Um, You'd like some advice for for creating a podcast? You've got an, an idea. I I want to I want to have a podcast, and I don't know how to do that. Okay, all right, uh, and uh, maybe for somebody. And, and it sounds like you don't have a whole lot of experience with computers. So let's go ahead and and ask uh, our guest now, Marley. Marley, uh, any advice to Mudman? Uh, he wants to create a podcast, but uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of familiarity with computers. Where does he start? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess what I did was, and this is going to take some time, but uh, it took a while to learn how to edit a podcast and what podcast um, platforms work. You know, I use a, a podcast platform that distributes it amongst six sites. Uh, but, you know, the first thing I would do is just get a recorder, figure out what you want to talk about and do it. And then when the time comes to uploading it to a computer, part of that requires maybe asking someone what platforms they use and seeking a little bit of help uh, as to um, how to go about that. But yeah, it does require, I think that's the downside of podcasting is it does require some knowledge of computers that um, even I'm not too familiar with. Okay. Uh, another tip uh, for Mudman. Mudman, maybe if you reached out to, to one of your former students, uh, maybe they could kind of help you out as well and get you through some of those technical uh, challenges for producing a podcast. And Marley, another challenge with, with podcasts is just there's just so many out there. There's so much content, so many, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions really of different podcasts, just a sea of content and options. And how do you stand out amongst so many other podcasters and, and, and podcasts that are competing for, for everybody's attention? Yeah, I think for me, what really helps is just because I focus on Native issues. I mean, I think with the pandemic, there's been a lot of, there's been a blooming of a thousand podcasts that are related to Navajo and I'm not necessarily Navajo, but Native issues. And so for me, I try to, uh, really work on like Navajo history and events and speaking to Navajo people about that. 
um, which, you know, does bring in people to listen to, but also allows me to um, expand after that, think about other issues. So like recently I've been oscillating between native issues and Navajo issues and, you know, having a, a good solid base of Navajo listeners who specifically listen to that for the Navajo content, um, get introduced to content that's not necessarily Navajo. Um, and that's kind of what the, my technique is. So yeah, I, I, I bank off of my identity. This is pure identity politics. <laughs> Marley, do you ever worry that, that podcasts might be kind of a passing fad and, um, and they might go out of style and at some point in the future? You know, not really. I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those, I feel like it will transform. You know, I think now I'm noticing there's a definitely transition towards like Twitch, which is like, uh, as online, like recording of yourself. I sound so old trying to describe it, but, um, yeah, like it's more of like in-person, uh, kind of filming and streaming. And, you know, I've seen some people kind of use Twitch as a way to podcast, but I think the idea of just speaking and recording the media and putting out there will never go old. I mean, to me, I see podcasting as a, as an extension of like radio, you know, and that's kind of the way I thought about it when I first started, which was I listened to a lot of morning radio shows and I really liked that dynamic that people had the chemistry. And I was like, Oh, I want to do that before podcast, mm -hmm. you know, and, and thinking about it, it was just like, yeah, there's always going to be room for this unless, you know, computers are unable to exist in the future. And there's that, that particular platform just doesn't work anymore. But I think there will always be room for podcasting, which is why, a lot of people do it, you know, it's once you get the hang of it, you start to realize how easy it is. And it's why I try to advocate for people to just do a podcast. Um, you know, and once you learn how to do it, uh, you start teaching people. For me, I learned a lot of my audio technique from a workshop uh, at the at info shop in the Navajo Nation. And, you know, I try to pass on as much as knowledge as that is a, a much try to pass on all the knowledge I have to other people who are interested. Uh, mainly because I know it's a really good medium, and I don't think it will ever really go out of style. We're listening to Marley Lister. He's a PhD student at U of A, and once again, he is the host of the Whoosh Day podcast. And he's telling us what goes into producing a podcast and, and what inspired him to create a podcast that specifically reaches out to members of the Diné Nation, Navajo Nation. And our next guest on the show is speaking with us from Anchorage, Alaska. Ralph Sawroth. He is the host of the Anonymous Eskimo podcast. He is Yupik and Sami. Ralph, welcome to Native America Calling. Welcome for having me on, Sean. Absolutely, Ralph. And tell us more, what motivated you to start the Anonymous Eskimo podcast? Well, at first, my podcast was totally selfish because um, I was suffering through alcohol use disorder and I wanted to do something when I got out of treatment to help me hold myself accountable. So I decided, why not a podcast? I could do it every week and it would hold me accountable. I can't do it while I'm drinking, of course. So that's why I originally started it. But the podcast, you know, now brings a subject matter that I believe is very, very important and a conversation that is near endeared to me, to the public. Um, and I try to provide a judgment and shame-free space, safe space for people to share their stories of hope, just so they know that they're not alone. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Ralph, I had a chance to listen to one of your episodes, and it, it was really enlightening. It was just a, a really casual conversation between you and another Alaska Native person and, and their road to recovery, and it it was very inspiring to listen to. And and I like the the relaxed conversational component. Uh, you just chat with these folks, and you share some of your own personal history, and and they talk about their own challenges. And, and very, very much uh, an, an empowering experience, I felt. Folks, if you'd like to, to call in and if you have a question or once again, if you are a podcaster yourself, we've heard from one podcaster uh, up in, in Nez Perce and another aspiring podcaster in Santa Fe. They've, they've both called in already. And if, if you're somebody who has a podcast or wants to start a podcast, we, we've got time to, to hear your comments on the air as well. So give us a call, 1-800-996-2848, that number We do have to take one more short break, but uh, we've got more with Ralph Sawar as soon as we come back. This Native American Heritage Month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a health care professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash hbpcontrol. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreements CPIMP 2112-27 and CPIMP 2112-28. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with a few Native podcasters on our show today. If you'd like to add to the conversation, there is still time. Just call 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Phone lines are open now. Give us a call. We're speaking now with Ralph Sara. He is a podcaster. He's based in Anchorage, Alaska. And Ralph, you started your podcast about two years ago, uh, The Anonymous Eskimo. And I'm curious, do you ever receive backlash for, for using the word Eskimo in the title of your podcast? I do. And um, I actually have people, I've asked people to be on my podcast and they've declined because of that. And, you know, the word Eskimo, um, it's a really hot word, especially in Canada. But I believe that when I was growing up and when uh, um I was referring to myself, I referred to myself as Yupik Eskimo, and that's in Bethel, Alaska. Um, That's how my mother referred to herself. That's how people around me referred to themselves. So, you know, I grew up calling myself Yupik Eskimo, and I was even in in a band called the Funky Eskimos, which put out an album, um, first Native Alaskan album album. grunge album, I guess you could say. But um, I respect that that is a word that is, you know, not used in a lot of places, but that's what I grew up calling myself. And um, I believe it's regional as well. If you ask different people from different parts of um, like Canada or Alaska or Greenland, um, you'll you'll hear different answers for all of that. So I do get some backlash on it, but I've invested in this name already and I've thought about changing it, but I'm invested now. So I'm just going to keep it. Mm -hmm. Well, Ralph, 
again, uh, you profile uh, different uh, Alaska Native people and in, in their journeys uh, with sobriety. And have you been contacted by any of your listeners who credit the podcast as motivating them to seek sobriety? I have, and that's the that's the cool thing about it. I get messages, I get texts, and people, you know, on social media. Social media has been so awesome. Um, people are starting to actually talk about recovery or sobriety and or mental health. And I do receive some thank yous and you know, um, saying you know, good job, keep it up. You're helping people. Um, you help me. I think it's just hearing other people with similar stories, um, just knowing that other people are like them and they're not alone actually sends hope out to people. Anonymous Eskimo, it, it has so many therapeutic elements to it. I'm curious, uh, Ralph, does it also help you keep focused on your own sobriety, just doing the podcast? 100%. And that was originally the reason why I started it was to hold myself accountable. And I get to listen to everybody's story. I don't have one type of recovery or treatment. Um, I have way different kinds of people on there, different types of, of sobriety journeys. And I listen to all of them and I learn stuff from everybody that's on there. So of course, yep, definitely. Now, had you already uh, had had you embarked on your sobriety journey? Had had you been on that journey for a while, or did you start the podcast at around that same time when you first started sobriety? So I've been in my journey for a very long time, but I've had relapses. I I've been through a couple of residential treatments. I've been through countless outpatient treatments, and every time. Um, I would just go back to drinking again. And I thought, why, why don't I try something that I, that, you know, keeps me sober doing this podcast and, and doing an episode every week just to, you know, help me on my, my journey. Mm. Really inspiring, Ralph. And we're going to talk more with Ralph Sara up in Anchorage, Alaska. But before we do, uh, I, I had a chance to speak with another uh, Alaska Native podcaster yesterday. Lance Twitchell is a professor of Alaska Native Languages at the University of Alaska Southeast. He is Lingit, Haida, Yupik, and Sami, and the host of Tongue Unbroken Podcast. He says his podcast is both public outreach and personal. The first episode I interviewed my children, which was uh, Joelle um, Monique is one of our producers, and then it was her idea. It was a bit of a disaster having little kids on a microphone, but also it was very fun because <laughs> I was able to talk to them and sing it and then have them respond in English. And it was, it was really neat to also hear what they think about when I ask them about our language. Um, and then uh, a dear, dear friend of mine uh, who unfortunately recently passed away, his name was uh, Dr. Saul Neely. He was my first uh, interview that wasn't one of my children. And we talked about uh, how he came to learn his Cherokee language and to use it. We talked about blood quantum and we talked about indigenous identities and decolonization and the types of work that we can do in institutions. And then I had a number of different discussions on with different folks on data sovereignty, what it's mm -hmm. like to bring your language back when you don't have any speakers and, uh, 
talking about uh, the movie Prey, which you know has Comanche in it, and, and talking to some of the folks who were inspired by that, and also some of the folks who worked on that project uh, to have a feature film uh, that really features an indigenous language was really mm-hmm. exciting. Since you started the podcast, um, have you learned anything about yourself or, or any really pivotal moments, kind of aha moments that you just grew and discovered through this journey of creating the podcast? And, and even like, you know, your, your, your definition of decolonization and language revitalization, all these different issues that you touch on. What, what have you taken away from this? Yeah, I, I think so. Sometimes, like, I would. Yeah, I fitted a lot of creative writing, and, and sometimes we would do these scenarios. And, and I've also done these kind of um, First Nations Futures program at Stanford, where they would sort of say, okay, if you had five minutes to tell someone what you wanted to do, you need to be ready. And so I had sort of practiced some of these things, but then to realize, you know, that uh, it's certainly not the most popular podcast ever made, but it was getting a lot of you know, numbers in terms of downloads and folks listening. And so it, it kind of put some pressure on to make sure that I have something to say. And I feel like I do because I want to take so much of this scholarship and decolonization and language revitalization and make it understandable for everybody, you know, to say, like, you don't have to have a PhD to do this stuff. You don't have to be a linguist to do this stuff. You don't have to um, have these qualifications, but then to sort of say, but there's some of these terms that we have to understand in order to be able to engage in this kind of work. And so it was really fun to bring that to uh, a large platform like iHeartMedia, you know, and so iHeartMedia is in, well, they say like nine out of every 10 homes they're, they're in. And so to sort of think of that and say, well, here's a chance to get people thinking about decolonization and language revitalization who may not have any familiarity with that topic. And so my goal was to try and make it inviting and fun, but then also allow Indigenous peoples to to kind of be ourselves too and to talk about these things as we would uh, in sort of more closed rooms. That was Lance Twitchell, host of Tongue Unbroken podcast out of Southeast Alaska, Ralph, uh, some really interesting, interesting podcasts coming out of Alaska. And and I want to ask you, Ralph, are you familiar with any other indigenous recovery podcasts such as your own? Um, When I first got out of treatment, uh, that's what I did was Google. I Googled indigenous, all the words, indigenous, native, you know, Yupik, all the different, um, you know, words that I could think of and nothing popped up. So, um, well, there was some that popped up that were episodes of other people's podcasts, but not a podcast that was indigenous that focused on this topic. So I said, why not? And you guys were talking about how he started. I started in my closet on my iPhone using GarageBand. And those were my first (laughs) few episodes that I did. And it worked out. And later on down the line, I was uh, blessed to receive the Rasmussen Foundation individual artist award um i pitched them a project of a audiobook with some music on it and that allowed me to purchase some really good gear so <laughs> so i was blessed by receiving that and i used that uh that gear 
every week I, I put out a, an episode. I try to put out an episode every week. So, yeah. <laughs> Ralph Sara, producer of the Anonymous Eskimo podcast. He started it uh, in a closet. That was his initial studio. And, and folks, let's go back to the phones. We have Robin Thomas listening in Lacoudere on WOJB. Robin, you're a podcaster, I understand. Welcome to the show. I am, yes, and I'm glad to be here. Well, tell us about your podcast. It has to do with powwows, I think. It is, and uh, my idea behind it, it started in about 2017, 2018. It was uh, to kind of get all the powwow music. You know, there's, as powwow people, we're always going on, like, YouTube and all the different platforms, and, you know, we're piecing all the all the videos together to make, you know, to, to what we're doing. So I thought of, well, what would be a great way for people traveling or even the people that are on reservations to where they don't have good uh, cell phone service or, or Internet, where they could download a, a podcast with all the power music right there into it i have uh listeners that enjoy it for uh power workouts because i'll go i'll start out with the grand entry go right through the the lineup of a power and uh kind of provide the listeners with you know a power experience if you know for those that are unable to go and it was really it really took off during the pandemic you know when when everything was shut down uh-huh well, Robin, thank you for calling in uh, the name of the podcast, The Pow Wow Show. That was Robin Thomas up in Lacoudere. And Ralph, uh, you shared you, you got started uh, a very simple setup there in your closet. And you've since evolved. You have a bigger studio now. But uh, for anybody listening, it doesn't sound like uh, you need deep pockets to get started with a podcast. Definitely. Yep, just do it. <laughs> That's my motto. <laughs> just do it. Uh, and a lot of people are afraid to, afraid to start. You know, they think of uh, of what ifs and and what if my podcast doesn't get the numbers I I I want or whatnot. And that was that was me at the beginning. You know, even editing episodes, it would take me forever to try and get through one of them. And as I you know just kept doing it, I realized it it's it's not that difficult to do you know um, I have conversations and I use clean feed uh, through my computer and Wi-Fi and I talk to somebody that's been in like New Zealand or Greenland even and uh, we get good quality through through clean feed and I edit him now it takes you know not too long maybe a, maybe an hour and a half to edit an episode so if you just do it just just jump into it you're going to find success no matter what. Ralph, interestingly, you're also a writer and a musician, as you shared. Do those skills influence Anonymous Eskimo? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, some of the topics come up through, you know, conversations with different guests, like how I play in a cover band that plays in bars. And, you know, I'm sober, but I play in bars and weddings that serve alcohol. And they ask, how do you do that? You know, and I and I got my answer from somebody that I interviewed. They said those places need people like you in there, you know, not only to show example that you can have fun or enjoy playing music or doing anything at a function that has alcohol in it. But it also reminds you of where you don't want to be anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I get a lot of. Um, I, I get a lot of uh, 
topics and, and things like that from different people. Also, the music part of it, I've recorded music, so I kind of have that background in me. So, um, yeah, definitely ties into that. Ralph, of all the podcasts that you've produced so far, is there any one that just really stands out as your favorite? Oh, man, this last, um, this last one with uh, Clarissa Larson was very powerful to me. It really touched me because she talks about, you know, mental health along with sobriety. And that's a, that's another thing that I did was my podcast used to be called the anonymous Eskimo recovery podcast. But then I got a, I rebranded and got the, got rid of the recovery part of it because I realized through all these conversations, mental health, suicide, sobriety, recovery, they're all interrelated, you know, so I got rid of that so I could, you know, try to include mental health and, you know, suicide um, along with sobriety. And this podcast that um, she did, she was on, courageous, courageous to be on that and tell her story like that. It really touched me. Clarissa Larson, that was the episode of yours that I listened to. Yeah, I, it was a, a really, really well, well-produced uh, uh, conversation. It was just, just so moving in, in many ways. And so, Ralph, what's next for an Anonymous Eskimo? Do you uh, have plans to, to, to grow your audience or uh, expand into other types of topics in addition to recovery? What's your thought? Well, um, I, I think I'm going to keep it the way it is for now there is some prospects that i'm going to be talking with some people um i don't know if i could share it right now but uh keep tuned in and more will come of that hopefully um <laughs> i do I, I do plan on doing a vlog of just it, it's not going to be on recovery or, or anything like that it's going to be um kind of just hiking with with normal people um, okay. my first guests I, I plan on are going to be the doctors I work for here in, uh, at affordable dental here in Alaska. All <laughs> right. All right. Hike. Well, it, it sounds like, uh, we've got more in store from Ralph Sara there up in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, and our other guests as well. It sounds like they're all doing wonderful, wonderful work and serving their communities in different ways. So we look forward to more content from our native podcasters. I want to thank all of our guests today, Paige Willett. Marley Lister, Ralph Sara, and Lance Twitchell for giving us an inside peek into the engaging world of Native podcasts. Join us again here on Native America Calling tomorrow. We'll talk about Native artwork making its way to sports arenas. Thank you for listening. I'm Sean Spruce. Close to half of American adults have high blood pressure. Of those, about 75% don't have it controlled. Chief Medical Officer at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital, Dr. Luke John Day. Have your blood pressure measured yearly by a healthcare professional and regularly monitor it at home. The American Heart Association has developed the Get Down With Your Blood Pressure campaign using music and dance. Learn more at heart.org slash HBP control. They support this show. Local tribal museums are the experts of indigenous histories, cultures, and values with the tools to educate the public. On the first National Tribal Museums Day on December 3rd, participating museums will offer no-cost admission, special exhibits, and live cultural demonstrations. Learn more at indian-affairs.org slash tribalmuseumsday.
The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this program. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.